You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 218, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. For this edition of the podcast, I chatted with Jackson Phillips of the Los Angeles-based Daywave. Back in the mid-2010s, Phillips made a splash in indie rock circles with his dreamy and expansive shoegaze-influenced songs. Fast forward to 2022, and Phillips is older, wiser, and digging into his roots to plot a new direction forward. His new record, Past Life, reflects those innate changes that come with the passage of time, as Phillips peers into the past lyrically while further evolving as a songwriter. During our conversation, we spoke about the evolution of Daywave sound on Past Life, how his friendship and working relationship with esteemed songwriter Pete Yorn influenced his own songwriting and what the future looks like for Daywave. Plus, he also picked some excellent records from my collection, including choice cuts from The Replacements, Liz Fair, and Brian Eno. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look At My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I I also encourage you to check out the Look At My Records website, where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right, I'm here with Jackson of day wave hey man how are you i was mentioning right before we started recording longtime fan of this project so it's really cool to to get to speak with you yeah i'm stoked to be on today uh yeah it's kind of funny to think that it's been so long that i've been doing day wave <laughs> like it still feels like oh yeah just a couple of years but now i'm like whoa it's been like seven years or something yeah it's cool uh the the record kind of reflects that a lot, like really dives into the passage of time and reflecting backward. So with that in mind, I do want to talk a little bit about your origins, like making music, writing songs and playing music. What came before Daywave for you? Um, I was before that I was doing I was in music school um, and I was kind of like trying to figure out what I wanted to do like if I want because I went there for drums but I was kind of losing interest in just playing one instrument and being the drummer I guess like the thought of being a drummer in a band um or a touring drummer or something just was not that interesting to me so I yeah I found myself going back to the music that I had listened to when I was younger which was more just like listening to music because I it made me feel something rather than as I got in high school and I got really into the drums and stuff I was kind of just listening to more like virtuosic music and and because that's kind of the um sort of what you're told as you start playing music like that you need to get really good at an instrument so I started listening to music that was very like you know jazz and fusion and like complex which is it would a lot of it was cool but when I decided I just wanted to like figure out something else to do, I just went back to listening to the music that I liked when I was younger, which was a little bit more like just simple. <laughs> and then I decided I wanted to start producing and 
I just kind of fell into it from making beats and stuff. And, and I first had like a synth pop band with my friend, but that was more like just like exploring, recording and producing and stuff. And then that led me to doing Daywave when I was like, okay, I'm going to like make a project that's just like all about making the song that I want to make, you know? Yeah. And something that I didn't know that when you started Day Daywave, you also at that point didn't really play the guitar that much right you had only really started yeah. learning to play guitar at the start of this project what was that learning process like for you and did you immediately start writing on the guitar or is it something that like took time yeah so i never really wrote songs growing up because i just played drums and then when i started it started with like just making beats because <laughs> I was like, it was the only way I could express like, I guess, doing melody and harmony and stuff. So I was like just messing around. And that led to me recording my voice and recording songs. But I was using synthesizers mostly because I didn't play guitar. Um, and I, I had kind of learned piano. Um, but I knew enough about like theory, like a little bit of music theory and how to put together a song at this point. That when I decided I wanted to make guitar music... I was able to just sort of like translate that knowledge to just using the guitar as like the instrument that I'm recording, I guess. And I just, you know, when I was listening to a lot of stuff like uh, New Order and things where the guitar lines were, there was not very many chords, but it's mostly just like single note lines stacked on top of each other. Um, I realized that I'd be able to do that because I was like, I think I have good enough I think I could figure out how to do that on guitar. So it was kind of just like translating what I already knew about how to piece together a song to the guitar. And I didn't play a lot of chords or anything because I, I didn't know how. So I just um, did one note at a time. And uh, yeah, it kind of like it wasn't that hard. Um, but obviously it it. It was just really fun and it was really new and fresh. And I was having such a good time making those early day wave songs because I was like, it's the first time I'd made recordings with a guitar. So it was just like, felt really fresh. Yeah, totally. And I know for your songwriting, your recording process, you're known for working on everything essentially by yourself. And you still did that for this album for the most part, Past Life. But I, I read that you also wrote four songs on this record while streaming on Twitch. What was that process like for you? Because it's definitely something you haven't done before. How'd it work and how'd you come up with the idea? Yeah, I was recording um, a bit uh, leading up to the pandemic. And then as the pandemic was happening, I was sort of losing interest in recording and making songs and also simultaneously trying to figure out a way to like connect with fans and stuff. So I decided to start streaming on Twitch and I was just like, well, maybe this will give me a little extra push to like um, keep making songs uh, for the next record. So, yeah, I started streaming and I was like, I just didn't really overthink it. I was like, I'll just make some little ideas and maybe it'll turn into something. Um, but it was it was cool. It was just sort of. Um, I tend to work fast anyway, so I just went on Twitch and would just kind of like explain my process a little bit, be like, yeah, I'm just doing this. And then now I'm recording this part, you know, and I would just kind of make these little ideas really quickly because I didn't want it to be boring. 
so a, a few of those ideas did uh, end up getting finished and uh, added to the record. So yeah, it was really cool. It just, I think really what it did was it gave me a little extra motivation to make a song that day. That's really interesting too, because it seems like someone like yourself that is, you know, really a solo artist works by themselves to have people watching you as you're engaging in that process. That must have been interesting, maybe a little nerve wracking at first. What was it? Was there any of that at all? Like maybe the first time a little bit, but then I started to like just kind of settle into it. I just realized that it wasn't, you know, it's not like there's really that many people watching me at any given time. And, um, yeah, everyone that was watching just seemed to be into it. Yeah. Like they weren't like judging me. They were more so just like, Oh, it's so cool to see you do this, you know? So it started to feel like just more educational. Like I wasn't even thinking like, Oh, I need to make the best song ever. It was more just like, Oh, maybe what I'm doing can kind of like, be some sort of like almost like a little class for like someone who wants to like learn how to record a specific type of song and they're like oh this is what you're doing because i wish i could have seen something like that when i was like you know 20 i would have been like wow this is helpful (laughs) (laughs) would you would you do that again do you see yourself doing something like that again it seems like something that specific to the last few years but since it worked, kind of, you could totally do it again. Yeah, I think I would definitely do it again. I think uh, Twitch is definitely a, a pretty cool platform for that. Um, a lot of people do that type of thing on there, a lot of producers. And it seems like it's not just uh, exclusive to the pandemic. It seems like something that I could keep up. Um, I just kind of like stopped uh, making new songs and I kind of wanted to focus on finishing this record. So that's kind of why I stopped streaming, but I think I might get back into it soon. And, um, I don't know, get back into making some more ideas. Cause it did give me an extra little push, a little extra motivation. Cause you know, I was saying I've been doing the project for seven years or so. And even before that I was producing songs for, you know, three or four years. So it's been a while that I've been doing this and you don't, it's hard to keep that same uh, sense of excitement, you know, about making songs, especially when you do it all by yourself, because it it takes, um, you know, you want to change your sensibilities a little bit, but you kind of have to let that happen naturally. You can't force it. But I do find that it's not always, you know, what I want to do with my time anymore now that I'm, (laughs) you know, been doing it for a while. So going on Twitch and doing it in front of people and kind of interacting as I was doing it was like this whole new thing and it made it kind of exciting. So I could definitely see myself getting back into it just in order to have that extra push. Yeah. So as far as your songwriting trends over the last, you know, five or six years when this project started, I know you did take a a break for a couple of years to focus on producing other artists so when you're Mm -hmm. really getting in a songwriting groove planning an ep or a record do you find yourself you know taking long periods of time off before you're inspired again to start writing or are you still kind of like collecting bits and pieces maybe over that three-year period that you had a bit of a break yeah i feel like for the most part i've always continued collecting those you know, bits and pieces of ideas and recording songs. And, you know, I've I always continued doing it. Um, and 
there was that period of time, I'd say from 2018, it's like 2018 and 2019. I was just kind of like exclusively getting into producing other people. Um, like I was doing it with the Hazel English stuff back in 2015, but that was like more of just like, uh, kind of like just a fluky thing that we ended up doing together. And I, through that time, I was pretty much very, uh, focused on day wave, but I, I started to get to a point where I was feeling like I wanted to do something else just for the time being, which is why I kind of transitioned into just producing other people. And like, um, it was something I always knew I wanted to do at some point. I just didn't know when. So when 2020 came around and I wanted to get back into doing day wave, obviously it was like, okay, the pandemic's here now. So like it made it a little more confusing, but I think that whole time I did continue making ideas. Um, it was just different because I wasn't thinking about releasing them. Whereas prior to that, I was always thinking about releasing my ideas that I was working on. Um, and then, yeah, it got a little, it felt strange to be like, wow, I'm making this stuff and I'm like, have no idea if I'm ever going to release it. Um, it was a different feeling. And now, um, yeah, I guess so. I guess the you know long-winded answer, um, I was just trying to say that I always continue working on stuff. I'm always working on something. It's just a matter of like, is this going to ever see the light of day now? Do you think that's a, a better feeling in certain ways to be creating without maybe the pressure of, oh, I got to have to release this at some point? Or do you see maybe there's a little bit of both? I think it's a little bit of both. There's definitely some urgency um, that comes with wanting to make something that you actually have the idea of releasing. And there's there's a sense of like, uh, I guess, structure to that. And when you, when you don't have any pressure to release something you could end up just like kind of messing around forever and not really getting focused but um there's a balance there it's like you want to be free and like let your you know sensibilities take you where they will without really forcing it but you also want to be structured and like you know have your shit together so yeah i think it's a good balance it's hard to find that balance like i think in the beginning when i first made like the early day wave EPs, I had that balance really dialed in and it's more of like a, it's like a mind state or something. It's just like you get to this place where you're, you're, everything's really balanced. Like I was focused, I was inspired, I was working hard. I was like, you know, and it all came together. And, and there's been times since then where I feel like it's either one or the other. Like, I'm just like, you know, not enough structure or it's too rigid and it's not inspired. So like it's hard to find that balance. Yeah. It's a tough balance to strike. Yeah. Something you yeah. alluded to that period of 2018 and 2019, right after you released your first full length, the days we had, you kind of took a, a break and you focused on producing other artists. I know you worked with Pete Yorn, which is really cool. He's an incredible songwriter you know, in my opinion, one of the best of the last few decades. How'd you two connect? And from working with someone like him, were you able to take away anything that maybe now you, you know, apply to your own songwriting process or anything like that? Yeah, um, I met Pete at um, a birthday party uh, for um, 
this guy who essentially runs the um, the management company that I am like a part of. Uh, I've been there for a few years. Pete's also managed by Monotone. So it was um, Ian's 50th birthday, I think, and all the artists were there. And it was really cool to see, you know, all the artists who are on Monotone. And I met Pete there and I was, I just can't remember. I'd had a few drinks. It was pretty late and I just saw him. It was a big party and I was like, man, I sh- that's Pete Yorn. Like, you know, I like knew who he was because I had definitely uh, spent some time with some of his music over the years. And um, I remember uh, his songs were in Me, Myself and Irene. And I loved that movie as a kid. Uh, I was probably like 11 or 12 when that came out, maybe around that time. But I always it always stuck with me, those songs. Um, and so anyway, I saw him and I went and talked to him and uh We ended up just getting linked up through the management later. I think they were like, oh, that was cool that you guys met. You should like meet up, you know, for lunch or coffee and just like hang out. You know, I think uh, they just, you know, I was on the management company. So they I think, you know, in those situations, people like to link their artists together just to see what happens, you know. Uh, And yeah, so Pete and I just hung out one day and we like talked and listened to music and like we just like, um struck a nice vibe and like he was like yeah i'd love to like come over and like work on some stuff with you so that was kind of it and then from there we like every time you'd come over to my studio we just like make a song in a day and then like that's it and we've been doing it ever since yeah so essentially we met through the management company um pete came over one day we kind of like struck up a nice friendship and then we just started working on music together and uh yeah, he would come over like once a week or something or once every other week and we would just make a song and it started like that. And then after we had like a bunch of songs, he decided like, oh, I think we got an album, you know, uh, and we've just been, you know, great friends ever since and continue continuing to work on music together. Um, so, yeah, it's been been awesome. And that really actually did help me. um realized that I wanted to get more into producing because when I started working with Pete at that point I still hadn't really committed myself to being like a producer for other people it was just that was sort of just this moment that like worked out sort of like when I met Alicia from Hazel English it was just like a more of a working on music with your friends type of thing but after I uh, made that first record with Pete I think I decided like I want to get more into producing other people because you make great friends when you, you know, producing is kind of like a lot of times it's like blind dates or something like you meet somebody and you don't really know them and you just see if like you become friends. And then when you become friends, you make cool music together. It's it's pretty interesting. And then those relationships, you know, can last forever. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Did it change your perspective on music as far as making music at all or like when you after those experiences coming back into working on this record did you find yourself maybe approaching it differently writing your own songs yeah absolutely i definitely learned um i think you learn a little bit from everybody you work with you know um so you take you you just soak up certain things like with pete um i think i I think I've, I, I probably was already a little bit inspired by some of his earlier albums anyways, you know, um, just because I spent some time with, uh, you know, his first record. And I think some of the, his melodic choices on that album are sort of what uh, drew me to it and why I liked it so much. So I think I was already a little inspired by it. And then just working with him and kind of like 
you know, he's been doing it for a long time. So he's got experience and he's kind of got his own approach. And for me to see his approach, um, I can sort of like pick and choose what, uh, what about that approach might work for me. And then I can kind of like, you know, soak up those things and include them in my own process, I guess. Um, so it's, it might not be things that I intentionally do, but maybe little things that stick with me. Um, like, you know, Pete is somebody who can just like, we'll make a song and let's say we start from no, like we have no idea what we're doing. I'll, I'll make a, you know, a chord progression and a little drum loop and like loop it or something. And then Pete will just like sing an entire song. Oh, wow. It, you know? Yeah. So like <laughs> he, he'll just like, he has that, the ability to do that. And, uh, and I kind of was like, wow, maybe I should try like something like that. Cause I used to be very fragmented in my sections when I was doing my early day wave stuff. It was like, I was so like, all right, I'll like come up, like spend all this time on this one verse or spend all this time on this one bridge or something. And, uh, yeah, I kind of would watch Pete and he would just like kind of be very like stream of consciousness and like do a whole song idea at once. And it kind of, I liked, I definitely took some inspiration from that. Yeah. That's a completely different way to start writing a song. That's cool. Yeah. So getting into past life, you really dive into feelings of separation and alienation on this record, in addition to mm-hmm. kind of reflecting on the past. I was curious where you were drawing inspiration from there specifically. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm always since I've been doing Daywave, I've definitely the my initial like inception of the idea of what I wanted to make. Um was just sort of like a representation of like my, you know, where, how I'm feeling in the current time in my life. So with past life, you know, staying true to that kind of just being honest and stuff, I think I'm just pulling from, you know, the way that I'm feeling, you know, as I'm, you know, turning 30, you know, now I'm 32. So I'm like out of my twenties. I'm, uh, you know, in a very strange part of my life. And sometimes I don't think about it or I don't let those thoughts bubble to the surface. But when I do go to make a song, the mu- I usually start with like some sort of bed of music when I st- want to write lyrics or melodies. And so this, the vibe of the music kind of inspires me to just like let those thoughts, um, I guess, come to the surface. Sometimes I just let this the music that I'm like the guitars or whatever like kind of inspire me with what I'm saying, but it usually just brings out those those feelings of like what you know what's brewing and what I'm thinking about and kind of like getting out of my twenties and like I'm getting into this weird place where a lot of my friends and people in my life have like moved on or come in and out of my life you know and uh some people i was great friends with in music are no longer in music and uh i find that it's kind of like i don't know it's just a weird time so that's kind of what i was writing about i think was the alienation from past friends and past relationships and you know when you're in your 20s you don't really realize like (laughs) 
that like things are going to change so drastically like in in the coming years you know um but it's always that way i guess even when you're i think you just anticipate it more when you're like in high school because you're like well i'm going to go to college and i'm going to like start my own life or whatever so you anticipate it but i feel like when i was in my like mid 20s i just was like i guess this is life but then like very soon you're like in this new chapter it's so odd so i feel like that's what i was kind of writing about a lot was just past experiences you know little memories that came to mind and feelings of like you know friends moving on and stuff it's kind of that feeling you mentioned something that i thought was really cool and i had read this about you before as far as your songwriting process that you write lyrics basically kind of like based on the feeling of the music like after you kind of have like either finished a song or really like come up with the vibe. Did you always write lyrics in that way? And what's the process like then generally for you? Yeah, I think that that approach is more natural for me because I'm not like I've never been like uh, the type of person who like gets fixated on lyrics when I'm listening to music or I, I never thought that I would be someone who would ever write lyrics or anything like that. Um, so the way that it is most natural for me, because, you know, there's obviously no right way, is just to create a vibe with the music and then let that just pull some words out of me without really thinking. You know, I don't really think too much about it. And then whatever ends up coming out, I just kind of let it let it be there and then I eventually listen back to what I'm recording and I like sand it down and make it something a little bit more tangible um, and eventually I have a song. So it's an interesting approach but it's the way that it's most natural for me um, but I've obviously worked with tons of artists at this point who approach it completely different and can still get an amazing result so it's just whatever works for you I guess. So. To dive back into the themes of this record a little bit, like the album is about like reflecting on your past self, of recognizing that, you know, things are different, yeah. you're different than you once were. And I thought it would be cool to hear your perspective on looking back to when you started this project. When you think about the early days of Daywave, what comes to mind and how do you feel different now? And how do you think you've grown? Yeah, I mean, at the time, I was just kind of trying to find some footing in my life, like trying to make something for myself, you know, like some sort of um, structure or some sort of uh, path that I could follow. Because as a musician, if you don't, you know, it's really easy to fall into this like kind of limbo um, lifestyle where you're like not really sure what you're doing because it's kind of an unsure you know like life and an approach to work and everything it, so I was just at the time I really just wanted to make something work for myself so when I started doing Daywave it was like I was pretty like I guess focused and I was like I just want to make at my time my goal at that time my goal was like um to be able to go on tour and like sell out shows and like have people listen to my music just so that like I felt like I was like had a job you know <laughs> like I just wanted to feel like some security like oh cool I have a job um, but also it's something that I love and and it all stemmed from like making music that I just thought was cool and that meant something to me and I was just hoping like if I do something that like feels honest to me like can 
can this turn into a job or something or give me structure? And it kind of did, which was just so surprising to me that I like had an idea and executed it. And then it kind of worked, you know, to some extent, you know, it didn't like, um, it definitely changed my, the path of my life. Um, and it allowed me to sort of continue on the path of music. Whereas otherwise I probably would have given up on music at some point because it wasn't really proving to be, you know, financially viable, you know, before Daywave or anything. And then when I started doing Daywave, it was like, okay, cool. I can go on tour now. I can kind of like, uh, I can continue on this path. Like it's allowing me to do that. So I think I was, and when I think about that time, I realize how self-involved I kind of was because this is all I was thinking about was like, I got to make this thing for myself. You know, I'm thinking about myself a lot (laughs) and I'm thinking about, you know, how, um, my music and, and how I want people to listen to my music and, and that sort of thing. And I, when I look back on it, I definitely see myself as being pretty immature compared to how I am now. And I think I was just kind of, like I said, very self-involved. Like I wasn't as connected with my family or my, uh, even some of my friends and stuff. And like, I always, I definitely wasn't like, you know, having relationships or anything like that. I was pretty like, you know, maybe you're, some people would say, I guess my thought at the time was this is the time where I should be focused on myself, you know, but compared, comparing that to now, it, I just felt like I was a little bit, um, you know, not like, uh, maliciously self-centered or anything, but like just very focused on one thing, which was like, you know, what I was doing with my, with my music. And, and I, and I think back to, I think how I am now is just a lot different than that. And which is part of it is why I took so much time away. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't really want to like necessarily spend all my time thinking about myself and my music and be trying to put myself in some sort of spotlight to make my music work as a career or anything. It's almost like I want to start like investing more in my relationships with the people in my life and like, you know, my family and my friends. And I feel like people, this kind of like realization that people come and go, you know, sort of has helped me mature in that way because I realized like the people who really do continue to invest in your friendships and like make time for you, those are the, you need to like sort of nurture those relationships and friendships. And those are more important than anything else because that's the stuff that sticks for a long time and um, other people come and go. But if you spend too much time focused on yourself or your career or whatever it is, you can kind of miss life, you know, it just passes by. And I kind of realized that. And like, that's part of the reason why I didn't want to tour after 2018 or whatever because I was like I'm just kind of missing my life it's all just happening without me or you know people are moving on and I'm not really developing those relationships and I just feel I felt like I was just too centered or too uh focused on like myself and then because of that I'm letting I'm letting friendships and stuff pass me by and then at the end what do you have you know, you get home from tour and you're like, what's waiting for me here? You know, <laughs> so, you know, feel like I'm in a much different place now. Yeah, 
to go back to the sound of the record, you had mentioned in another interview something I thought that was interesting, that you're really conscious of not trying to over mix the songs because you are the one that's basically writing, recording, and producing, and a lot of times those things are overlapping. So just to go to the sound of the record specifically, what are those types of situations where you have to remind yourself, you know, maybe to take a step back and not over mix or overproduce it? Um, maybe just leave that alone in order to kind of keep the that little bit of rawness there. Yeah, I mean, I just don't, I don't go too far. Um, a, a big part of it for me is that the longer I continue to work on something, the the less interested I am in it. It's like I start to just, it starts to sound old kind of quickly. So because of that, I, I don't really tend to go too far on a song. Like I'll like work fast and I won't over mix. I won't think about, um, you know, trying to polish it. I'll just kind of try and get my ideas out there in the song idea out and it all also it always sounds cool to me in a more of a lo-fi raw way so um i usually put it away after after like a day or something if i can get like all these ideas out there then i'll then i'll just put it aside and come back to it later so i don't even give myself the time to i guess over mix or anything um and then when i come back to it hopefully i'll have the clear uh idea of what i should do like okay well like i don't want to overdo it but obviously this part needs to be eq'd this part needs to be compressed like this needs to be leveled so i think the key is is just taking some space away from it like right after you make the thing like don't overwork on it um because when you don't have perspective is when you're gonna like mess it up essentially and you can never get back to where it was it's impossible to get back you know so Diving into a couple of specific songs on the record, there's so many good tracks across the album. The first one, See You When the End Is Near, that's a lead track on the record. It has mm -hmm. some guest vocals, it sounds like, from someone that sounds familiar, but I couldn't put my finger on it. So who, who guests on that track, and how did it come together? Yeah, so the, the guest vocalist on that is Kenny Hoopla, who I had produced... Um, before uh we i worked on um we worked on a few songs together but uh yeah i just had that song kind of sitting around um i was pretty excited about it just because it was like it came from a place that felt inspired and i was really like it just was like felt refreshing when i made it and i just sent it to him after a while of having it sit on my hard drive i was like do you hear anything for this like i don't know like maybe like you might like to sing something on it and he was just like, yeah, I hear something. I'll get it to you. And then he sent me like his his vocals, like just like that was it. Like it was pretty raw. It was that thing. It wasn't overbaked. He just like sang some ideas and I put them in and like that was it. It was so easy. Um, but it was just cool that he felt inspired enough by the track to actually send me something back. You know, sometimes you send something around and somebody might just not get to it or whatever. But he felt inspired enough that like he heard something and he recorded it quickly and sent it back to me and we, we put it all together. And, uh, yeah, I think it also was just exciting for me to like have some other vocalists on my music. So. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. 
Great Expectations was another song that really stood out to me as it's yeah. pretty much an acoustic track. And I feel like mm. you haven't really released a song like that before. There, You know, there are other accents floating around sonically, especially towards the end, but it really is centered on what sounds like acoustic guitar playing. I was just wondering if you could speak to that song, why it wound up coming out a bit different sounding than other tracks on this record and other songs you've released before. Yeah, I recorded that song when I during the pandemic, and I took a little weekend trip to Palm Desert, and all I brought with me was like my laptop, my acoustic guitar, and like a microphone. And the, so that's all I had yeah. was like an acoustic guitar. So I was just like, let's see what I can do with an acoustic guitar. Yeah. And I ended up recording that song. Um, and it kind of just reminded me of... I. So w- what did I end up doing with that song? I think I like did some... Yeah. To make any sort of kind of production with it, I did some like reversed acoustic riffs in there. And like I eventually added some Casio and... A couple of little things but yeah i was just at the time i don't know i feel like it was kind of inspired by like modest mouse or something wow and like, yeah. early, like the moon in antarctica or something like that and even like a little like iron and wine or something you know it it just kind of had that feeling and that was another one that just sat around on my computer and then when i came back and listened to it i was like i really like this song and it kind of touches on that's why I called it great expectations just because it was like the idea of realizing that like you didn't you know reach certain dreams or goals you know it's like it happens you know you don't always like you know you don't always reach those those goals um and sometimes you have to like I was just realizing like that you need to I guess come to terms with like that it not you're not going to reach every goal and like your expectations are can let you down sometimes so like that's kind of what and I never even thought about what I was saying when I recorded that song I was like I don't know what I'm saying and then I listened back to it and I was like oh my god it makes sense that's often what happens it's like I don't even know what I'm what I'm saying when I'm writing a song it's just coming out like without thinking about it. And then when I listen back, it just makes so much sense. <laughs> What's your process like for rediscovering a song like that? Something that you had maybe demoed a while ago. I'm sure you have hard drives of ideas and stuff like that. Take this song as an example, Great Expectations. Were you kind of sitting around thinking, oh yeah, I wrote that song. Let me find it and work on it. Or are you kind of like searching through what you have and then i'm like oh yeah yeah, i totally remembered i did this there was probably just a time where i was like where i was going through like every once in a while i just like go through my old demos and stuff i don't do it that often but sometimes i do and i'll be like oh yeah i remember this little thing oh yeah i remember this and then i'll click one and i'll be like "Ooh, i really like that one like and that's it it's just like if i have that that thought of like "Ooh, that one's really cool I'll, i'll take note of it um, and on that one, I, I think I was just like, I want to put this one on the album. It was the timing was that like, I'm, I'm recording an album. So when I found that, I just thought, I really like this one and I want to include it because it's sonically different. It's something I haven't done before. And um, every time I listen to it, it like gives me a cool feeling. So that's why I went with it. Totally. Great song. So this record looks into the past a lot. 
uh, I thought it'd be fun to ask, kind of looking into the future now, seeing where you're at, what do you see happening for this project maybe five years from now or down the line? I mean, I'm hoping to continue to make records and uh, and just keep growing it. And, you know, I'm not the main difference with where I am right now and like where I was when I first started it is that I've kind of untied my like identity from it a bit. Like I'm sort of not as concerned with if it, you know, blows up or something or if it, you know, there's a little bit of that urgency is just like not quite there the way it was because that was all I was doing. Like, and like I was saying, I was kind of obsessed with making, with doing it and trying to do it well. And, and now I'm doing other stuff, you know, like I, I'm invested more in my, like, um, producing other people and hanging out with my family and my friends. And so there's these other things that I value more, you know, in my life, uh, or just as much. And so I'll definitely continue doing it, but it's nice to sort of let go of some of that pressure that I was putting on myself. Um, so like, I, I, I don't know. Hopefully another album will come directly after this one. You know, maybe letting go of that pressure will get me to a place where I'm just releasing even more albums, you know? (laughs) How about your production work as far as working with other artists? Do you see yourself kind of exploring different genres and working for different artists outside kind of this uh, realm? Yeah, I mean, I, the production stuff is is what keeps me kind of inspired because when you only work on your own music, you can sort of hit a wall at some point and then you're like, oh, okay, like I'm not making music anymore or I'm not, or like you just completely take a break from working on music because you'll hit a wall. But when you're, I'm producing other people, I'm sort of able to like feed off of their inspiration and it, I can tap into other sensibilities as a musician. Like I can make, you know, different styles and um and it doesn't feel the same as when i'm working on my own music so it it's cool because it keeps me working on music um and it keeps me uh inspired uh even if it's not inspired to make my own song it's like i'm inspired to help other people and uh yeah it's it's been great it's been great i always knew i wanted to to produce for other people it was just a matter of getting my foot into the in the door and then and also like when i was going to start being less in in like focused on my own thing i guess all right well now turning back to past life we're gonna play a couple of songs from the record we're gonna hear see you when the ends near where do you go and great expectations Do this. 
Don't breathe.
We just heard three songs from Daywave's new record, Past Life. We heard See You When the End's Near, Where Do You Go, and Great Expectations. And now we're going to talk about some records that Jackson picked. So I don't know if you noticed this, but the first five, uh, four albums you picked were all released 40 years apart each 10 years, every 10 years. So <laughs> from 64 Wait, really? to 94. Yeah. From 64 oh, to 94. No, that, that wasn't, I didn't mean to. I also was going based off of, uh, songs, not necessarily. Yeah, I didn't albums. know if I was supposed to necessarily pick albums or songs, but either way, it doesn't really matter. Cause I love the whole albums that those songs came from. So. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool that it turned out like that. And we're starting off with unsatisfied by the replacements off of their 1984 album. Let it be. Tell me a little bit about why you picked this song. Such a killer, uh, classic indie rock song uh paul westerberg really getting emotive on <laughs> this track yeah probably the that, most, i love that yeah. song yeah i love that song it just it's so like you said it's so emotive and it's so simple and like that's the stuff that i love it really sticks with me just the like the simple uh you know emotions everyone can relate to that and I don't know, it has this kind of like raw, this raw, but also like kind of pop leaning indie rock feel yeah. to it. And, and it just, every time I love the chord progression and I love the ending. It's just so good. And actually I never listened to that song until Pete, uh, Pete Yorn showed it to me. Oh, wow. Um, but I, I had listened, I didn't realize I was never like really into the replacements or anything, but when I was growing up um, in like the late 90s, I always 
I watched a lot of movies um, growing up because I had an older sister, and so there's tons of teen movies and stuff at the time. Um, I watched Can't Hardly Wait, yeah. which uh, featured the song Can't yeah. Hardly Wait by The Replacements. And so I always knew that, like, <laughs> and I loved that song because we, I think we had the soundtrack. You know, at the time, my sister was, like, I don't know, 13 or something. So she had all these soundtracks to all these 90s movies, and that's where I, like, heard a lot of the first bands that I was into. So that's where I first heard that song. And then we also, I saw this movie Singles like a million times when I was a kid. And it, you know, I think there's a bunch of Paul Westerberg songs in that movie. It's like a Cameron Crowe movie. And so I always like knew the sound, you know, of like a Paul Westerberg song. Yeah, or totally. Like, yeah. What about... When did Pete Yorn share that track with you? Were you just exchanging songs to check out? Or did he I have was any listening spe- anything specific he said with it? I remember what happened. I he came over and I was like for some reason I was like going on a you know, I was listening to some songs and I was listening to like a, a Goo Goo Dolls song from uh, one of their yeah, earlier dude. records uh, or something. Johnny Resnick is like a disciple of Paul Westerberg. Yeah, in yeah. that and Pete was I was like did you ever listen? I was, I don't know. I can't remember which song I was listening to by Goo Goo Dolls. I think it was called, uh, the hell it's like, uh, boy named Goo. It's from that record. I think it was called ain't that unusual. Yeah. 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 It was from the, what, from the soundtrack of Angus, which was like a nineties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And, uh, and I was like, did you ever listen to Goo Goo Dolls? I said that to Pete and he was like, not really, but like, I always, whenever I heard them, like, it just sounded so much like the replacements. And so then I, you know, and then I was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, yeah, check out this song. And he showed me uh, Unsatisfied. Yeah. I know Johnny Resnick and Paul Westerberg also co-wrote a song on a Google Dolls album. I think the one that came out right before uh, A Boy Named Q. I think okay, the album well, was that. Called- superstar car wash or something yeah okay that i mean that totally makes sense yeah because you you can't unhear it once you hear the the inspiration there uh or the influence i guess i should say yeah Right, and now you picked another indie rock legend. They're still going strong. Well, Bob Pollard is still going strong. Mm-hmm. Guided by Voices, Gold Star for Robot Boy off of their 1994 album, B-1000. I think Bob Pollard was apparently inspired by like a kid in his fourth grade class because he was a teacher in Dayton, Ohio, and the kid like made a drawing or something like gold star and he gave him a gold star yeah he gave him a gold star he drew a robot maybe yeah Yeah, i read i read that i think that same blurb about that but that's another one that i that pete showed me pete showed me b thousand um and i because i showed him alex g or something yeah yeah. and he was just like oh this (laughs) reminds me of uh this there's a lineage yeah yeah so there's obviously like a a common thread here that like, you know, I'm showing Pete something and then he shows me like the lineage. Uh, but, um, 
yeah, and ever since I've been so uh, so into Guided by Voices, and I just saw them live like a month ago. Yeah, and, they're um, nuts live. Yeah, for a dude yeah, that's in great. his sixties, it's crazy. It was so good. Yeah, it was awesome. But yeah, that's pro- Gold Star for Robot Boys, probably my favorite Guided by Voices song, and it just is like has the coolest chord progression. It's so lo-fi. And it is just, there's nothing cooler to me than that song. They typically play that song live, usually, too. I'm pretty sure one of the times I've, I saw them within the last few years, they played this song. So it's it's still in their set list, which is cool. It bet, yeah, I mean, I actually don't think that they played it when yeah. I saw them. And uh, I was kind of bummed, but it, I mean, it's just the coolest. It's I, I love the sound of all those records done through the porta studio the yeah. little four track i actually bought the same one that they used <laughs> for all those records i was like nerding out i'm like i'm ba- i'm buying this thing you know i didn't make anything that I, I who knows if i'll ever release anything that i make on one of those but it's cool to just have it and yeah it's it's, it's So that one was from 1994. This single is from 1964, Don't Worry Baby, by the Beach Boys, the B-side to I Get Around. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, this is one of the greatest songs ever. And uh, I, I it, it's so, like, in the DNA of the early Daywave stuff was like, you know, this song and a lot of a lot of that era of um the beach boys and yeah i don't know it just has that sort of post phil specter production kind of vibe and and it really inspired me uh obviously i always knew that song as a kid but when i when i got back into it around the time i started doing daywave it just you know i was listening into the production and like kind of the sound the approach of making, you know, because it's such a simple kind of chord progression, the harmony there is so simple, but the way that they sort of dress it up with the, with the vocal harmonies and everything, it's so just like lush sounding and um, catchy. And I don't know, it gives me like a very specific nostalgic feeling. And so I, I definitely tried to infuse some of that sound into my early songs. And the album from 1974, Here Come the Warm Jets. You picked the title track from that record by Brian Eno. Yeah, so Brian Eno, I was really, really inspired by in high school. I think my mom gave me a couple Brian Eno records because I was into progressive rock at yeah. that time because I was a drummer. So I was really into Yes and King Crimson. and um, So my mom was kind of like, oh, you might like Brian Eno. Um, so I got into that and that song is just 
has such a cool sound to it. Um, I've looked into like the guitar pedal that makes that sound, and I can't figure out how to buy one. But you know, <laughs> one day maybe. Someday um, one will pop up on Reverb. Yeah, I know. One day, one day. But as of now, I never see it there. But yeah, I was very inspired by that, and that it's that album, um, and a lot of that, you know, Fripp and Eno stuff is just what made me like want to go to music school because I was just like, oh, this is I was I was becoming a major nerd about music when I was <laughs> 15, 16, 17 listening to those records, and so uh, that's an important one for me is that that album and especially that song. Lose My Breath by My Bloody Valentine off of Isn't Anything. Yeah, that is uh, that is just such a cool band, obviously, and such a cool song and, and album. Uh, and that one, I don't know, just seems kind of underrated or something because it's not, you know, Loveless, obviously. And, yeah. Um, I just have such a specific memory of hearing that song for the first time. Uh, I think I was in college and I was at somebody's apartment um and they put that on uh on vinyl and that song came on and i was like whoa this is like what is this song because it's really dark sounding but then it goes to this really like kind of lush dreamy sort of chorus i guess you might call it and uh i remember in the background they had uh, a little v vhs tv kind of like the one i have behind me <laughs> you can see it uh and they were playing the movie River's Edge, which is like an 80s, like, uh, kind of Keanu Reeves, like, teen thriller type of... It's really an odd movie with Crispin Glover and, and Keanu Reeves. But that movie, I'll never forget hearing that song and that movie was on in the background. And it's just, like, so, so stuck in my head. And it also just, you know, showed me, like, a new level of how cool... A band could be because it kind of introduced me to my bloody valentine Go West by Liz Fair, the girly sound version from the girlies. Yeah, I just started listening to that because it seems like it was either released for the first time or, or re-released um, as an expanded um, version of uh, Exile from Guyville. And, uh, yeah, I just love those demos. Those demos are so great. Um, they just, they're so raw and simple, and it just reminds me you don't need much to make a, a great recording just a l little lo-fi song on a guitar and um and it's just such a cool era for liz fair and the, i've been so recent that's something i've been listening to a lot recently just because it's reminds me that like you can make something so cool and vulnerable and and uh something that just i don't know it, it gives me a great 
it just affects me in a cool way when I listen to it. And then it inspires me to go sit down with my guitar and try and just write like in a much simpler approach than what I normally do, which is record and write at the same time. So, um, yeah, I've been listening to that a lot. everyone we're coming to the end of this episode of look at my records past life is the new album from daywave you can get it via daywave's website daywavemusic.com or of course you can stream it on your platform of choice before we end This episode, we're going to play one more song from Past Life. It's the final track. It's called Apartment Complex. Thank you, Jackson, so much for speaking with me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. It was 